welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Sen Institute, and we're excited to have with us today J.D. Greer. J.D. pastors the Summit Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, founder of J.D. Greer Ministries, and a new board member of the National Association of Evangelicals. J.D. has authored several books, and his latest book is on prayer, and it's entitled Just Ask. But first, let's go to our host, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and the executive director of Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Stetzer. You know, I, I, I added that bio to mention, this is the first public mention that he is a board mm. member of the National Association of Evangelicals. So we're excited about that. But also, too, let me just be a little transparent as we start this. So I am not a naturally prayer-inclined individual. I don't think this is a shock to, you know, because I have that kind of personality, you know, whatever. I'm always wanting to do the next thing. Donna, on the other hand, my wife is the most godly person I know, uh, just deep in prayer, an hour every day, walking. And I got to discipline myself. And so I really was encouraged by this book, and I want to encourage people. The book we're going to talk about today is Just Ask, The Joy of Confident, Bold, Patient, Relentless, Shameless, Dependent, Grateful, Powerful, Expectant Prayer. First question is, could you not find a shorter title? Let's <laughs> jump to that one in just a minute. But J.D., I'm interested. So, um I find you, I mean, I don't say that, I mean, we got a lot of differences, but we both kind of have that personality. Are you a naturally inclined person towards prayer, or is this something that there have been hindrances and challenges in your own life that you're writing from and through? You know, I actually would say there is a lot of things that God has done in my life and dragged me kicking and screaming. Yeah. Um, so I didn't write this book as a self like corrective book. It, I really, it really came out of the overflow of about 10 years of walking through this personally and also with our church. Um, you know, the, 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 the subtitle that you joke about, you know, they, it really is like, there's, there's so much opportunity there and you go back through Christian history. And I know this is preaching to the choir, but really every, every spiritual awakening you're always going to find it coming on the heels of prayer. And it's just, when you look at Jesus's life, that's one of the things I talk about in the book to open up. It's just like, look how dependent he was himself on prayer. Luke, the gospel author particularly, you know, shows that. And I mean, clearly if the son of God is in that, that kind of, if that's his source, if that's his go-to where, when he's discouraged, he goes there, when he's trying to get wisdom for which disciples to choose, then certainly there's something that even type A, very capable people like, you know, like leaders listening to this podcast or, you know, like, like you, Ed, um, we may feel like we're capable, but we're not going to get past where Jesus was in his dependence. You know, I love, I love that's where you started because I think, you know, I I do think, you know, this is the, the, the church, that's your church leaders podcast. So I think that um, I know a lot of leaders who are actually accomplishing what people would look at and say are good things who have a prayerless life. Matter of fact, I think there are people listening right now who are saying, I, I, that's me. And yet I love that you went first to Jesus. So what happens if pastors and church leaders don't pray? I mean, obvious and evident, but why? What, what happens? What happens and why? Well, I think we've all learned that what looks like lasting fruit in the short term does not always equal, not always equal lasting fruit in the, the long term. Right. And I, I think there's a humility in that and recognizing, yes, there are times that we are prayerless and God still does something amazing anyway. But I, I, I get fearful when I think about things that 
that I thought were permanent and were lasting evidence of fruit. And you just look and say, man, they're really, you know, they're really not. There's a verse that Christian leaders struggle to believe, particularly capable ones, John 15, five, apart from me, you can't do anything. And we all give lip service to it. And we've all preached on it. But I mean, think about all the things that people that are just capable leaders have done without you know, dependence on Christ. And I think the way that you have to understand that verse is, um, is, is not that unbelievers or people disconnected can't do anything because they do lots of things. It's that apart from me, you can't do anything of eternal lasting significance. Hmm. And I think that there are moments in your life where God drives you to a point of desperation. And I think those are not the only time you're in a spot of desperation. I think there are times that God just mercifully reveals that to you and shows you like, hey, a lot of this is wood, hay, and stubble. I mean, any Christian leader that does not, you know, tremble at Paul's description that at the last day, there's going to be a lot of things that look so impressive in the kingdom of God, that are going to turn out to just be wood, hay, and stubble and not gold refined by fire. And I know that if there's a difference between those two, prayer, according to Jesus, is going to make one of the biggest differences, you know, of, of anything we could probably point to. Hmm. It's a bit of a personal question, but I mean, you started off our time saying, you know, I, number one, this has been a product of 10 years of investing in your congregation uh, and getting to prayer um, as a church, but also, you, 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 to use your words, you know, kicking and screaming, the Lord dragged you into a prayerful life. So can you share with us, you know, what were some of the obstacles earlier on as you were becoming a more prayerful pastor that you had to overcome? Yeah, you know, um, prayerlessness, I'll, I'll, I'll quote Paul Miller here, who graciously wrote the forward for this book and whose book, A Praying Life, is one of the one of the most powerful and practical Such books I've, book. ever, Such a great I've book. ever read. Yeah. But um, but Paul Miller, he said, you know, prayerlessness, we think it's a, a self-discipline problem. I don't pray enough for the same reason I don't eat enough alfalfa sprouts or work out enough. And he said, sure, there's self-discipline things we need to work on, but prayerlessness at its core is a gospel problem. I either pray because I think that given enough time and ingenuity, I will figure it out and make it work. And again, type A leaders, accomplished leaders, they typically, yeah, it's like, man, I, I put my nose to the ground long enough. I'm going to figure it out. He said, so it's overconfidence on one side or on the other side, it's a, a, a failure to believe in God's willingness to help. And both of those are gospel problems. One's pride and one's unbelief. He said, when the, when, when the gospel has properly cultivated prayer, or when the gospel is properly cultivated in your heart, he says, prayer will begin to become as natural to you as breathing. I mean, think about that verse where Paul says, pray without ceasing. Uh, one of the things you actually do naturally is breathe without ceasing. The least disciplined person listening to this podcast did not, you know, does not have an accountability partner for breathing. You know, that called you like every hour is like, hey, just once you, are you still breathing, brother? You know, no, I mean, it's just you, you do it because your body craves air. And when the gospel has shaped your soul to crave God, then you will pray instinctively, not because you have to, but because you couldn't imagine going an hour a day without without spending that time in God. Um, Daniel, one thing I'll, I'll tell you here is like many leaders, the way that God taught me that was through failure, um, mm -hmm. failure. I mean, whether it's, you know, um, and I won't go into the details of it, but on, on some relational levels, realizing that I'd come to the end of what I was able to do. And, and, and that point of brokenness, that point of brokenness where you have nowhere else really to turn, that's the place where a lot of the great Old Testament prophets, you know, David, and Jeremiah, that's where they learned to really lean in on God. And I'm not a great Old Testament prophet, but it's, it's definitely where God has done his best work in my life is, is in that point of failure. Powerful, powerful. And, and I, I guess I, I want to, I love you know, quoting Paul there, I love 
Paul Miller. Uh, I love the idea that it would just be part of our our gospel love. And you know, I know you've written on the gospel. It's 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 not just the diving board of the Christian life, but it's it's the pool or something like that. Mm -hmm. I remember you saying. Um, so, but I don't know that. Can I can I disagree? I mean, it's like I, I know because I know a whole lot of people who love Jesus, love serving Jesus, but don't love praying to Jesus. So. What is that a disconnect? Is there something wrong? Because I'm just telling you, I, I'm just I'm really burdened by a lot of prayerless or you know perfunctory prayer people. You know, I mean, there's I didn't mean to alliterate that, but I did. But sort of where um, I pray and I might have a short quiet time. But your book is talking, and we're going to come back to again. Just so everyone remembers, the name of the book is Just Ask. Um, but what do you say to that person who's, who loves the Lord and loves serving him, but really struggles? I think that's a lot of people listening to the podcast really struggles with being a person of prayer is because I, I, I like, I think your answer related to a lot of people, but I'm not sure it related to everybody. Yeah, no, that's a fair question. I don't know Ed, if I've got a, you know, like a silver bullet answer other than to say, I do think we have to get out of some of the, you know, more traditional ways of thinking about prayer just because, okay. I mean, you know, if, if prayer really is something you're doing without ceasing, then there are multiple moments where I'm leaning on God for a, some kind of wisdom, where I'm leaning on his power to, to do something. That may not come out as a verbal prayer, but that is a kind of prayer. That's fair. That's um, fair. I would never want to excuse for somebody. I would never want to excuse them not having a set time where they actually dialogue with God and listen to the spirit. I mean, I think that's, that's essential. But I, I do think that any Christian leader that has lasting staying power, there, I mean, that's like saying you, you could be a Christian without faith. I mean, right. faith is prayer. No, it's um, I do think I, I do think that there is, you know, I mean, some of the most merciful things that God has let me do is fail. And I have yeah. felt like Jacob, you know, in the in the, the famous Genesis story where I'm wrestling with God all night long, so to speak, mm. and saying, you know, I I have I have accomplished so many things you know, without having to get to that desperation point on prayer that I look back and see that God did. And then God just says, I need to show you this one. And he pulls his hand back and it leaves me in that place of clinging. Those are the, are, are the sweetest and greatest times of my life that I look at not as God's punishment, but his mercy. And so if, if yes, if God has sustained you and held you up without you having, um, having to, you found that place of desperation in prayer, I would say that's God's mercy to you, but you should expect that at some point whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And there's going to say, there's going to come some point of failure where he's going to put you in the Jacob position so that you're lying flat on your back. So you will finally, you know, be looking the right direction. I love that. And avoid that path by choosing a prayerful path is, is a good reminder and caution. One of the things I love about the book is the focus. We started with the focus on Jesus, but actually this is a recurring theme throughout the book. Um, take us to scripture. What, what do the parables of Jesus show about how we should pray and what misunderstandings do? Because a lot of it's built it's built on some of these parables. Uh, what misunderstandings do we fall into? How we should pray to God? Yeah, you know, I think um, you know if you if you look at one of the things encouraging about the parables is that Jesus tells about prayer is that they're they're kind of built on the assumption that people are frustrated that God is not answering or answering quickly. And that is very encouraging to me because that's been one of my biggest problems with prayer. Sometimes I pray and things happen. Sometimes I pray and they don't. Sometimes I forget to pray and the thing that I should have prayed for happens anyway. And you have a, a hard time thinking of like, what's, is there really, is my prayer making any difference? Jesus tells a pair of parables, um, one in Luke 11, one in Luke 18. The one in Luke 11 is about the neighbor who 
you know, is has visitors at night and he needs bread. So he has got to go over to his, his friend's house. The other's about the, the, the poor widow that's the, the, that's been treated unjustly and has no money to, to pay off the judge and how she just pesters him, you know, night and day, both of those. It's encouraging to me that Jesus told it twice because both of them have the same point. And that is you, you pray and you feel like God's not listening. Don't give up because there is, it is from cover to cover in our Bible. There is some things that God only gives in response to persistence and prayer. There's a part of me that says, well, if it's God's will, why not just give it the first time that I ask? And, you know, why, why, would, why would persistence be something the scriptures teach? Um, I have an answer. I'll give it to you in a second. But, I mean, the first thing we got to acknowledge is that it does teach it. It teaches that because the woman would not leave this judge alone. That is the reason that he granted her request. Uh, Martin Luther, who, um, you know, um, unsurprisingly, um, because of, of how much he wrestled with and struggled, ha has a lot of insight on things like this. He, he said, it's kind of like, he said, for me, it's, it's kind of like the, the kid wrestling with his father. And the father will resist the kid trying to get something out of his hand that the father wants to give the kid. And what he's doing is testing the kid's resolve, testing the kid's strength. He says, our heavenly father will sometimes withhold from us a blessing he wants to give us to see how quickly we'll give up, to see how quickly we'll turn away and, and find another source, to see whether or not we actually believe in God's goodness. Our The measure of how much we believe in the goodness of God is it's measured by how long we will wrestle with God in prayer and not give up and not turn away and not turn away to another source. Jenny, I want to ask you. Yeah, you're pastoring, uh, you know, a significant church, um, and do two questions really? Like, do you view yourself as like the the prayer champion of your church? Like, you know, are are you are you that pastor? And uh, and if you're not, then I mean, how do you how do you ensure that you know you have prayer warriors in your church? Like, how do you really develop the leadership of prayer across your congregation? I, I do feel like that's a loaded question because what fool says, yes, I'm the prayer, I'm the prayer guy in our church. I'm the prayer guy. But I, I do look like I am, I do feel like I'm the prayer champion. I feel like, I mean, in Acts 6, most church leaders know this story where, you know, the disciples are just distracted with, you know, taking food to widows. And so they appoint what would be later become deacons um, to, you know, so they could focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. Most, most church leaders understand the ministry of the word part, but prayer, you know, the way it's written in Greek, it's written as if they're both the work of the ministries. And we think of prayer as like preparation for the ministry, but the apostles said, you know, what are you called to? I'm called to lead in the preaching of the word, and I'm called to lead people to pray and to be the lead prayer. It's, we look at prayer as preparation for the ministry. If we're going to pray, it's to prepare for the real ministry, which is the ministry of the word. But the apostles looked at themselves like, I'm here. I'm here to actually lead in prayer. Um, I probably for the last four or five years have really struggled with, um, with, with recognizing that when people think of Summit Church, they think of, they think of preaching, they think of worship, they think of missions. But do they think of this as a, a house of prayer? Um, channel my inner Jim Cimbala, who wrote another great book on prayer called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And Jim Cimbala says, he says, you know, when Jesus described the church, he said it's to be a house of prayer for all nations. Is that how people would describe your church? And I knew that for us, it was, we just struggled. So we actually used um, the kind of the, the shake up of COVID 
to say, we're going to, we took everything off the table in our church and just said, we're going to lay things back on and do it in a way that this has given us an opportunity to restart the church as we come back together. And one of the things we, we, we did is we laid back in and said, prayer is not going to be an auxiliary. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be something that supports the ministry. It is the ministry. I've asked all of our, our, our staff as just one example to spend at least one hour a week as part of their job in some kind of corporate prayer. Not talking about quiet time prayer, but it could be prayer at their team, prayer at their ministry. We every campus has a, um, a, a one hour a week, you know, prayer gathering. There, there's lots of places, but I just think it's essential that if we're going to see the kind of results that you know, student volunteer movement, Great Awakening, it's going to be because we pray like they did. And I, I know that makes it sound really, you know, transactional, but I know that it is it is the missing piece right now in a lot of the evangelical church. And if nothing else, we've seen so much failure and frustration over the last few years. Yeah. And what what a mercy of God if it drives us back to say, God, we need you in this moment and we're going to pray. Love it. I, I, I actually don't think it sounds utilitarian. I don't think, I, th- I think it sounds like a passion and a call. And I love that. So help us to think too, right? You talk about each campus, each ministry, an hour of corporate prayer. Um, if I could get personal, um, what does that look like for J.D. Greer? Take us into your prayer patterns, how you get there, what that looks like. Because pastors are asking, okay, uh, and you're a busy pastor, uh, you're a type A personality. Uh, I'm a busy pastor, someone's saying, and they're thinking they got a lot to do. What does the rhythm of prayer look like in your life and, and engaging the scriptures too? Yeah, so um, you know, for years I've done what I, I guess a lot of the listeners would do. Um, I don't want to assume, but I, I assume a lot of them do, and that is the first essentially 45 minutes to hour of my day is spent. God gets the first and best of my day. Um, you know, whether you, the scripture, one of the ways that we teach people to is rather than just read through the Bible, you need to pray through it. So after I've read, we, we use a, a little acrostic called here, and the first H is for highlight, highlight, examine, apply, respond. So I, I go through the first part of my prayer time is taking the things that I saw in scripture and praying them back to God. Um, I use a little, uh, an app on my, on my phone that, uh, that has each day of the week divided up so that there are different sections that I pray for that really keeps my mind from wandering. You know, I, I, I have some of the best intentions in praying. I'll start, you know, praying for missionaries and end up thinking about what I watched on TV the you know night before. Prone so to wander, the, Lord, I feel it too. I, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll um, I'll do that, um, and then um, I, I've you know in that talk about this in the book. I, I usually use what we call the Lord's Prayer, probably better referred to as the Model Prayer, as 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 a as an outline. And I, I to again to, not to use Tim Keller, I riff on the Lord's Prayer. And let that be my prayer outline. That's kind of my morning routine. Um, I devote uh, is twice a week uh, that I'm I'm involved in, in, in corporate prayer. Uh, one of those is it, it, they're relatively small. Um, at some point, they may become big at our church, but it's just me gathering with a group of people and not trying to impress anybody and just saying we're just going to spend this hour in prayer. Um, and my wife and I have instituted a pretty, um, I mean, it's we're pretty strict on it. Like you know, that's our, our first time as we get up in our bedroom and our closing down for the night. We, we spend time praying through various things. Uh, you know, if, if you're the kind of person that you struggle to pray for a half hour at a time, I would say divide that up into, you know, three 15 minute segments throughout the day That work for Daniel, you know, morning, noon, and night um, to pray after you get back from lunch and spend that time. And I, I found that a little intentionality, a little planning um, can, can actually guide you in prayer in ways that make it more meaningful and not just a time of mind wandering. Yeah, as you're pastoring uh, people, and y- y- you always run up, uh, run into somebody who, 
you know, you're like, I don't, I don't know if that's prayer. Like, I don't know what you're doing, if that's prayer or not, or I don't know if that's an effective form of prayer, you know, um, Everybody sounds like something oddly specific. So, I, I, uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, if they're, uh, you know, praying with the crystal ball or something like that, or you know, right, we might say that one doesn't praying God, to yeah. a different God or right. something like that. But, um, what would you say? And, uh, you know, especially how would you advise pastors as they're trying to teach prayer to their congregation? Like, what are some things to avoid? What are some things to, uh, to, um, what are ways to teach your church members in a way effective prayer? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound uh, cheap and tawdry, but that's kind of the purpose of why I wrote this book was for our congregation. Okay. And it, because the first part of it is why we don't pray. And I just dealt with the three or four biggest objections yeah. that people have with prayer. And some of them are theological and you've got to teach on those, but some of them are just practical. Like, I, I don't know how to get started You know, to, to, to go back to what I said a minute ago. I, I, I have every intention of praying, but, you know, 10 minutes after I start praying, I'm asleep. And, and or, or my mind just sits there and idles for 10 minutes. And so, you know, the back half of the book is after you deal with the objections is to say, let me lay out from the scriptures how to organize a prayer time. Yeah. And yeah, I referred to it a minute ago, um, but with 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 using the Lord's prayer like a jazz musician uses a melody line. Jazz musicians don't play completely chaotic notes, they but they personalize a melody. And I think that's the way that Jesus intended for us to use the model prayer is that's the melody line. I don't just recite it, I, but I, but, but I personalize it. And so giving people um, ways, you know, one of the things we do with all of our technology at the church is we are trying to, to, to get prayer in front of people. Our daily quiet time, we, we, we build it into our app is going to have with it prayer things that can be, you know, that, that the church can be leading them and, and how to pray for missionaries. We use that as a real discipleship tool and say, let's actually give people not just the motivation to pray, but the tools to pray. Love it. Well, and I think one of the things, again, let me give the title of the book because it's a long, painful title. And I'm prefacing that on purpose because I want to talk about it. Um, you know, just ask, that's the short version of the title. Two word titles are simple. Uh, but then it's the joy of confident, bold, patient, relentless, shameless, dependent, grateful, powerful, expectant prayer. What's the story with the 72 word subtitle? <laughs> well, you know, you're in publishing, Ed, you know that they say that short titles are what sells, right? That's you clearly, you're title. going for the big sales here. So the publisher said, I need a really short title. So we came up with just ask, and then I, you know, got my revenge in the subtitle. I was like, yes, I'm going to put every did. word I can make up. <laughs> but really the string of words just goes back to, I, I just started to think through all the different parables, what Jesus taught. And yeah. those are the words that it come out, but it really ties into the shortness of the first title because, um, you know, if you had to come up with one through line, one theme for Jesus's parables that what he taught on prayer, it was, it was approach your heavenly father like kids approach a daddy. Mm. And most of us think so much about the theology of prayer and th 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 that's appropriate. But again, to quote Paul Miller, man, when your kids come up to you, they're not thinking, am I using the right words? Am I asking dad with the right motivation here? You know, um, no, they just come and say, dad, I got a need, fix it. And yes, you want to correct their motives where they're asking wrongly. You want to help them in their vocabulary, but mainly you're just a father who loves your kid and wants to supply. You don't always give them exactly what they're asking for because you know what they don't know. And sometimes you say, I, I, I'm going to not do that, that you're asking because I love you. When you come to the heavenly father, yeah, I, I think about my motives. I think about the words I'm using, but it mainly is you just ask 
you come just like a kid to their heavenly father. It, it's supposed to not be a, as much of a labor as it is just a time of rest mm. where all the things, sweet hour of prayer, you know, where I just I come and I unload, um, unload the, the difficulties of my life in partnership with him. And I let him speak into them and, and guide me through. Yeah. So, so you also, um, I love the practical nature of the book. Um, there's practical suggestions, tips, you might say about, um, so, so one of the things, so you don't just kind of read the book and think, man, I should pray more. Cause I mean, I don't know how many books can I read telling me I need to pray more and you kind of agree, but you leave with some paths to pray more. And so talk to me, if you wouldn't mind, share some of the things that for a pastor or church leader who's saying, I need to be more of a person of prayer. What are some of the suggestions that we'd read in the book? And again, the, the book title, so remember, is Just Ask, I won't go through the whole long subtitle, but Just Ask, and J.D. Greer is our guest. So what are some of those suggestions? Yeah, great question. And I've alluded to a couple of them, how I use the Lord's Prayer, how I use you know prayer app, how I even read scripture and, and try to turn that into prayer. Um, another one I'll, I'll mention is, is learning to listen to the Holy Spirit in prayer. And I realize we could get on some pretty shaky ground you know, really quickly, but I do think one of the things oh, we can make some news, that. we can make some, we can get on some blogs. So how do you listen to the Holy Spirit in prayer, JD Greer? <laughs> well, I do believe you cannot ignore that throughout, especially the new Testament, what you're, you're, you're seeing is not just prayer as dumping a, a laundry list of things on God's doorstep that he already knows about anyway, but it's dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. It's letting him pray through you and guide you. Um, there, that goes under different names. Sometimes, you know, one tradition calls it one thing and one tradition calls it another. Um, you know, I, I think that people I found, whether they're reformed or they're more on the charismatic side or they're right down the, the Baptist line, most of them recognize that there is, is ways that the spirit calls things to mind and prompts you in prayer. Um, for my kids, as an example, you know, I have a, a little folder for each of them. And as I'm praying for them, I will say, you know, God, what, what scriptures are you going to put in my heart to pray over them? And all scriptures true all the time. But I do think that there are times that God takes specific promises and puts it in your heart to pray over somebody. And I'll just jot those down. Um, when I pray for myself, I've started this um, a, a little file um, called, uh, I borrowed this from our friend John Mark Comer, called Counter Talking, um, which is you're identifying the, the ways that Satan is lying to you, like he did with Jesus in Matthew 4, and you're, 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 you're listening to the Holy Spirit for what particular scriptures are the right thing to say back to that lie. I'll give you just one example. Um, one of the lies that Satan whispers in my heart, um, the deceptions, is that that the key to the good life is, is a lot of money, a, an abundance. And so, yeah, I'll give to look good, but not in a way that's going to affect my personal comforts or my future security. And I have to counteract that with, with and the one the Holy Spirit really just kind of keeps pressing in my heart when I when I'm asking him is, you know, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, but treasures in earth. That's not the good life. The good life is, uh, you know, to be spiritually minded is life and peace and to live by, to buy faith. Um, those are things that, yes, I mean, all those promises are true everywhere, but, but, but I, I, I sense the spirit of God using that at a particular time to speak, whether you call that a word of faith or whether you call that just a prompting of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's getting at the same thing. And that is the spirit of God is using the word of God to make, you know, the fruits of the spirit in uh, spiritual vitality come alive in your life. I think you're getting at something really important because I think uh, there's been a shift of talking about prayer as kind of more of a centering activity. It's kind of more, 
you know, being at peace with God in yourself. But I think you're getting at something. I think there's a sense in which like prayer is applied to other people uh, in sometimes even immediate circumstances. And I, I'm wondering, like, f- for you, when have you been a recipient of a prayer that you just knew, man, holy smokes, like, like somebody had prayed me through that. Like that was yeah. just a direct result that, of prayer. That's a great question. Um, let me tell two quick little stories. One is my, um, my wife, this doesn't involve me, but when my wife tells her conversion story in college, um, she talks about being at a, it was like an FCA retreat. So it wasn't some kind of, you know, wild Pentecostal thing, but she, um, she wasn't walking with God. She actually says she was mad that she'd been tricked into going to the beach, thinking it was just uh, some fun at the beach. And, oh, look, there's a speaker in the band, you know, <laughs> and she talks about uh, sitting there and not remembering a word of the sermon. But at the end, the guy said, okay, I just want you to you know break up and pray for each other. And Veronica was like, I was next to this girl I had never met and didn't even know her name. And she turned and just started to pray over me and reveal secrets of my heart, fears that I had struggles, questions, and just begin to call them out, not in a weird way, but just, just was just praying. He says, I don't, I'm not even sure she knew what she was doing, but God was, you know, first Corinthians 14, 25, exposing the secrets of my heart. And I knew God is talking to me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me it, uh, in a less dramatic way, it happened just a few weeks ago. I was really afraid of my oldest daughter just went to college oh, <laughs> and uh, I've lots of reasons it. to be afraid. And, um, and I just, you know, cause I'm like, man, I, I've sent around in my house. I'm not there anymore to, you know, kind of speak warning or kind of look over her shoulder. And, and uh, one of the elders was praying for me at the end of service. We've turned right at the end of our service into like, uh, Hey, this is the most important. One of the most important times of the gathering of the church is, is, is we come to pray. And I was down there and he just started to pray. He said, you know, Lord, I know, that you are, have gone before JD's daughter. I know that you're there. He began to quote scriptures that affirm that he, he was like, I, I want you to have, you know, you, we want JD to have the assurance that God really has gone before and he's, he's prepared a way in the wilderness and will help her to walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And again, those verses are true all the time, but I knew in that moment, God was saying to me, I've got this. Yeah. I've got this. You need to be assured and you can lay your anxiety down. And it was, it was again, all scripture. It's scripture is all inspired by God, but that was God's word for me in that moment. And I, I, I got up out of that prayer time and I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. Oh, those are good examples. And thanks for, I mean, we're worth taking the time to hear. Um, one of the things I wonder, you know, pastors and church leaders against our audience, um, you've been writing, teaching about prayer. And that may be a pathway for some people. You know, if you're not strong in an area, you can teach and preach through that area and grow in that area. Um, how has writing and preaching about prayer impacted your own faith and your own prayer life? Yeah, I'm definitely the way you just described that. I, I tend to when I'm when I'm struggling through something, I preach a series on it <laughs> so I can figure out what we'll I'm be watching for your future series to see what those struggles <laughs> might be. Exactly. Yeah, I probably just I probably set myself up poorly there, but um, you, you know I, th- that certainly was true. I, I said at the beginning that it's been about a ten year process as I've I've, I've worked through. I, I have you know Martin Luther. Um, he said in his uh, I think it was Freedom of the Christian in the intro. He wrote that book to other pastors if I'm thinking of the right one. And I remember the, um, the introduction, he said to a group of young pastors, never aspire to teach the church at large, mm-hmm. teach your church. And if the church at large feels like you got something to say to it, it'll come to you. This, you know, 
prayer book for me is me trying to disciple a congregation to actually pray hmm. with varying success. And I look back over the last decade, and this didn't come out of a sermon series. It came out of, you know, 10 years of, of sections of messages and blog posts and personal conversations and just saying, I'm trying to disciple normal people how to pray, how to disciple our other pastors and staff how to pray. And uh, the Good Book Company said, look, we feel like there's a lot in here, both for the church leader and for the congregation member. We think it's worth putting this down in, in a book. And so I hope it's helpful for other people as it has been for, for me and our congregation. You've been listening to J.D. Greer. Be sure to check out his new book, Just Ask, The Joy of Confident, Bold, Patient, Relentless, Shameless, Dependent, Grateful, Powerful, Expectant Prayer. You can learn more about J.D. Greer at jdgreer.com. Thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. If you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. You can find this podcast as well as other great Christian podcasts great on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.